Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we begin our study of the book of Daniel. What events led to the writing of the book of Daniel? What was happening in Daniel's world? Just like the book of Revelation, Daniel is mainly a call to believers to overcome the trials of this world. No matter what circumstances we face, and Daniel faces some incredible ones, we have the ability to overcome and serve as faithful witnesses of God and His kingdom. Well, our last series was on Revelation, and now we appropriately we get to start the book of Daniel. It's appropriate for a couple different reasons. First, it ties really nicely into Revelation because Revelation talked about being an overcomer and what an overcomer is all about. That we're supposed to overcome these fiery trials. And we learned in Revelation that these fiery trials are actually good. They're not to be avoided. We want them. We need them. We should enjoy having them in our lives as difficult as they are. They come in a couple different forms though. We get these fiery trials through external circumstances, and we have them internally, where we have to overcome the flesh. So as we face our fiery trials, we're charged to be overcomers. We're charged to be an example of overcoming and living life the way God intended us to live it. To be an example for those around us, To be that beacon, that light, that shining light for others and guide them to Christianity as well. Well, we can only do this through faith and commitment. So now as we start Daniel, we get an opportunity to see a great example of all of this. Daniel did exactly what Revelation told us we should be doing in our own lives. He overcame fiery trials that were imposed on him from external circumstances and within himself, undoubtedly. Here's a great example of how to demonstrate to others how to do life right, how to overcome fear, stay committed, and live life through faith. So when you look at Daniel and you think of this as a a book of faith and overcoming, faith and commitment are the two things we're really going to dig into today, faith and commitment. So today, we're going to spend most of the time just setting the stage for the book of Daniel. We're going to look at where we are in history and what the political landscape looks like to get a better sense of what Daniel's actually going through. So let's take a look at Daniel, the book of Daniel 1, verse 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the law, into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. So let's look at when this is all taking place. This is approximately 605 B.C. So, biblically, when we think about how the Bible's structured, 2000 B.C. and before, we're looking at the book of Genesis, From 1500 to 2000, we're at the time of Moses, where he wrote Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then from 1000 to 1500, we've got the monarchic period with kings, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Chronicles, all of those. And then a couple of key dates in history of Israel after that is 722, which is the Assyrian captivity, 
And there's several books that center around that. And then here we are in 605 to 586 BC time period where Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. And we're going into the Babylonian captivity. So we have the southern kingdom of Judah and it's besieged by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. There's a bunch of captives, captives and articles taken from the temple, taken back to Babylon. All of this is done as part of God's plan, though. This is all foretold by the prophets, specifically by the prophet Jeremiah. So we're really going to take a close look at Jeremiah today and how this was all prophesied and how it all came to pass. So let's look at uh, Jeremiah 7, verse 1. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter in these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to you, to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it, because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called to you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I did, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, those, the whole posterity of Ephraim. So God's speaking to Jeremiah, and he's telling him, to tell the people that they're sinning. They know it, but he's telling them that they're worshiping other gods, and they come into the temple and worship him too. They're two-faced. They're murdering, then coming to worship him. They're being false to God and false to themselves. God's telling them that if they don't straighten up, he'll do to them what he's done to Shiloh. And Shiloh, of course, was the, the main center of Israelite worship prior to the monarchic period. Today it's located within the West Bank. People would travel from all over Israel to worship there because that is where the tent or the tabernacle was set up with the Ark of the Covenant. So it's a, a very important place in the history of Israel. We have this very important location that is now in ruins at this time. Even at the time of Jeremiah, there's nothing left of it. It's been wiped out. So all the people understand exactly what Jeremiah is talking about here when he's talking about this place called Shiloh. If they don't straighten up, God's going to make every make everything around them turn into runes, just like he did at Shiloh. So back to Jeremiah verse 16. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor life, 
nor lift up a, a cry of prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Do you not see what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the woman, women knead the dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods, that they may provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, says the Lord? Do they provoke themselves to shame of their own faces? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my anger and my fury will be poured out in this place, on man and on beast and on the trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. So I think what we can take from this is that God's not too happy with Judah, is He? In fact, the first ten chapters of Jeremiah are all talking about this prophecy and what God's going to do to the people if they don't quit sinning, if they don't turn back to Him. How he's going to destroy them if they don't start doing life right. So can you imagine being Jeremiah at this point? Just think how bad he must have felt. You have the God of the universe completely disappointed in you and all the people around you. And you get to hear all of this straight from his own mouth. Have you ever had someone you really respect? Somebody who you really look up to and they're disappointed in you? And you have to get that earful? Well, think how Jeremiah must have felt through all of this when it's actually the God of the universe, the God that he loves is disappointed in him and his people. So now we're going to see what he prophesizes about. All this is happening. Uh, Now he's going to call them what's going to, he's going to call them what's, he's going to tell them what's going to happen as a result uh, for not having listened. So in Jeremiah 25, The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people, and in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even to this day, this is the twenty-third year in which the word of the Lord has come to me. And I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, but you have not listened. And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them. But you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear. So God talked to Jeremiah. He's been, Jeremiah has been prophesying at the temple, telling the people to turn back to God for 23 years. And they still haven't listened. He's telling them to stop their wicked ways, and they refuse to listen. 23 years of this. Verse 5 goes on. They said, they said, Repent, now every one of, this, of his evil way and evil doings, and dwell in the land of the Lord has given to you and your fathers forever and ever. Do not go after other gods to serve them and worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, and I will not harm you. Yet you have not listened to me, says the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, and against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them and make them in astonishment, hissing and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of the gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. 
Then it will come to pass, when seventy years are completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, that the land of Chaldeans of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. So I will bring on that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied concerning all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall be served by them also, and I will repay them according to their deeds and according to the works of their own hands. So here we are in 605 B.C., where Nebuchadnezzar, interestingly enough, it says, my servant Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king from a pagan kingdom, is a servant of the Lord. The Lord is going to use Nebuchadnezzar to make all of this happen. So 605, the Lord's servant Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon has taken over Judah and taken many of the tributes. So what happened is he, they attacked. This actually happened three times. Nebuchadnezzar comes against Judah or against Israel in 605, where we are right now. And then he does it again eight years later in 597, and again 11 years later in 586. So it's during this time Nebuchadnezzar is coming in and, and surrounds a city, and he's taking tributes. He's taking people back to Babylon. So again, God's using Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king from a pagan kingdom, to carry out his will with Judah. Nebuchadnezzar, to get the idea who this guy was, he was a Chaldean king of the Neo-Babylonian Empire who reigned from 605 to 562 B.C. He reigned for 43 years. That's a pretty good run in this particular time period where people were being deposed quite regularly. He was a pretty successful king. He not only helped defeat the Assyrians, who had the Israelites in captivity before the Babylonians, if you recall, he took Babylon, turned Babylon into one of the greatest cities in the world at that time. Babylon itself rests on the Euphrates River, where it became one of the centers of commerce and engineering and scientific advancement in the world during this entire time period. So Nebuchadnezzar was bringing people from all over these captured lands as he continued to conquer them and keeping their best and brightest in Babylon to serve his empire. He's uh, credited with creating the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. According to legend, Nebuchadnezzar built the hanging gardens for his Midian wife, Queen Amethyst, because she missed the green hills and valleys of her homeland. So there you go, guys, for your next anniversary. That's what we have to live up to. Some guys ruin it for everybody. He also built the Grand Palace. The place became known as the marvel of mankind. He also made Babylon almost impregnable from attack. The walls were over 50 feet tall and very, very thick. The Euphrates River ran right through the city, so they had a water source should they ever be besieged. They were safe from any kind of attack. But we'll see later in Daniel that there was a way to attack this city, and this city would actually fall. The city itself had over 200,000 people in it at that time. This was the first city in the history of the world to reach a population of 200,000 people. So we have this... Nebuchadnezzar guy, this king, this great pagan king who's doing amazing things in Babylon. He lays siege to Jerusalem, and we saw that the people of Judah were given very clear expectations for the behavior from God, and now they violated those expectations. So there's going to be a, a suffering of consequences for the next 70 years. And all of this has been prophesied by Jeremiah. So let's look back at the book of Daniel. Daniel Chapter 1, verse 3 says, The king instructed Ashpenaz, 
the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Haniah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Balthazar, and to Haniah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So here we have Daniel and his friends. They're in captivity. They're specifically selected to serve the king. They're going to go through this three years of training because they're the cream of the crop of thousands of Israelites that have come and been taken as tributes or as captives. They're good-looking and gifted with wisdom and the ability to learn quickly. They're to serve in the king's palace and be taught the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. They're even renamed. So Daniel, whose name means God is my judge, he's renamed Balthazar, which is servant of Baal. Hananiah means the Lord is gracious, is renamed Shadrach, inspired by the sun god. Mishael, which means who, who is what God is, is renamed Meshach, which means who is what the moon god is. And finally, Azariah, the Lord helps, is renamed Abednego, servant of Nebo. How would these young men react to all this? Will they submit to the temptations placed on them? Will they give in, excusing themselves through youth and inexperience? How would you have reacted in their place, being put in a situation like this? Well, let's see what they did. Let's look at Daniel verse, or chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel purposes heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel makes a decision. He makes a choice, a deliberate, intentional choice. When things get tough from temptation, he did not give up. He did not give in. He stayed committed through faith. He kept going. He purposed his heart. He chose. He made a commitment. He stuck to it. Something that's rarely heard of today in both young and old. His commitment was not to defile himself with the king's food, possibly because the king's food was something against the Leviticus, what what you can and can't eat kind of thing. Maybe it was uh, used as part of a sacrifice from one of the pagan gods, so he wouldn't want to, to eat it after that was already taken place. But he chose not to do that for whatever the reason. If it was used in idol worship, he didn't want anything to do with it. He didn't want to participate in that. This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. 